Well, good morning to you all. Good morning. Um, just an update. So this week, we were able to fill in four chairs this week. Well, let's thank God for that. That is amazing. Uh, we're actually, uh, we started with the goal of 300,000, started in April, and uh, we have 113 chairs filled already. So praise God for that. Thank you for your, your giving and uh, your faithfulness in that, and God is speaking to people. And so we just thank God for that. Uh, also, update. We have an update uh, that we have a month under our belt of two services, and people have had to adjust, but I've heard uh, uh, people comment. They appreciate the, the opportunity to come at an earlier service. And so uh, Angie beautifully put together just some uh, stats on this. The combined, combined attendance uh, for June was 30% higher than in the past two years. And so we're actually reaching more people. So praise the Lord for that. And uh, yes, amen. And so actually we fill 60 serving spots every Sunday. You know, it takes a lot of people to serve and, and to be involved. And so uh, we could use your help, but thank God. And this one really spoke to me. 80% of our church members at Harvest here currently are serving. Now on typical churches, it's usually 20% that does 80% of the load. But that's not how it is here. Amen? So praise the Lord for that, and thank you. God bless you. Amen. Thank you. What, what wonderful, wonderful updates. I love that. Uh, let's take a moment and pray as we begin to share God's word. Father, I humble myself before you, and I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here today. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit here coming upon uh, me and your people as we declare your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll turn into Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 18, and, and I'm just going to kind of dive into this hot topic series, and I subtitled it The Right Foundation. So this is the first week um, on, on this, The Right Foundation. You know, when I think about foundations and the importance of building, and I don't know if you've ever built a house, uh, that uh, we just are kind of towards the, the latter end of a two-and-a-half-year remodel, uh, which I'll probably never do again, but it turned out wonderful. And my wife so lovingly has, has dived in, and, and uh, it turned out beautiful. But there was a lot of stuff that needed to be fixed above, upstairs. And, but if there was, wasn't a good foundation, then no matter what we did upstairs, it wouldn't matter. But we bought the house knowing it had a good foundation, and that's important. And so when we're going to talk about that, when we talk about these questions that have been coming in uh, from people that... Uh, uh, have been visiting the church and people that are joined the church and kind of wondering why do we do church the way we do it and you know uh, and so we're we're going to endeavor to answer those uh, but before we do we want to uh, just set the right foundation what we're going to base uh, everything that we do on uh, and and it is the word of God so that's the that's the stealer right there so John chapter eighteen John chapter eighteen if you have your Bibles or your tablets if you want to pull it up uh, Pilate is before. Uh, Jesus is before Pilate, and, and, and Pilate basically is kind of critiquing him, and, and he goes on to say, uh, he says this, Jesus before Pilate, then you're a king, Pilate said. You say that I am a king, Jesus answered, for this reason I was born and have come into the world, to testify of the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked, what is truth? Kind of sarcastically. And having said this, he went out again to the Jews and told them, I find no basis for a charge against him. So even though he was criticizing Jesus, he came back to the people. He was like, there's nothing this guy has done wrong. 
And I think about that, and what is truth? And we're going to talk about truth today. It is defined as that which conforms with fact or reality. Fact or reality. You know, telling the truth. Uh, when I talk about that, I don't mean in a self-righteous or an arrogant or an angry, pompous demeanor. Uh, that's not what I mean by telling the truth. And how many know more than all of the history of this nation, we need to hear the truth about ourselves? Amen. I do. I don't know about you. I need to hear the truth about me. And I need to hear the truth about what God's word says and what God says in this time. Can I get an amen? And so theologically, I just wrote this down. Truth is that which is consistent with the mind, the will, in the character, the glory, in the being of God. Amen? And truth is the self-disclosure of God himself. Did you get that? God himself. It is what it is because God declares it so and made it so, not just because you feel one way or another. All truth must be defined in terms of God, who is the very nature of truth. Can you say amen? Now, here's the thing. Truth will disrupt the status quo when you tell the truth. It will. It levels the playing field. But here's the thing I want you to see. John chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Jesus came and he spoke grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so when we talk about truth, we're not just talking about, well, now that I know the truth and hammering that, it's sandwiched with grace. Amen? And so, so we need to understand that as, as so we delve into this. So over the next few weeks, Lord willing, as we endeavor to answer some of these question, questions, excuse me, we look to the author of truth, and that is God in his word. And, and I believe that is the right foundation to start with. And so I just want to talk to you a little bit briefly this morning before we receive communion on the right foundation and what is truth. What is truth and what do we build upon it? So in order to, to find or to discover uh, to uncover, to know what truth is, you have to go back to the original. You have to go back to the foundation. There must be an appeal, if I can say it that way, to an objective standard. Otherwise, it's your opinion and my opinion and so-and-so's opinion. How many with me say amen? And, and so then you can't find out who's right. This is a preaching mic now, so we just ratcheted up. So those of you who are tired, we're just going to wake you up here. Amen? Uh, so what is truth? And so truth is not discovered by personal feelings. It, it, it is not determined by private intuitions. Uh, it feels good. So it must be true to me. It must be right to me. So here's a couple questions that we have about truth. So is there an objective standard that is out there that exists to know what's true, to know what's right? And we, we need to know that in this day and age. And another question is, is there an objective standard of knowing what's right and what's wrong morally even? And without hesitation, I would say, yes, there is. And that yes response has caused untold loss of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of lives from the beginning of history. And how many know that telling the truth can get you persecuted? Every Sunday, a pastor has to tell the truth. <laughs> and sometimes he's not liked, and, and, and he's persecuted. And, and yourself, too, being a witness for Christ, there's times you need to tell the truth in a loving way. But it's still the truth. It can get you persecuted, and sometimes telling the truth can get you killed. It can get you killed. 
uh, in the Greek, there's a term they call it parathesis, and it's actually free or bold speech, the concept of that, free or bold speech. How many remember that in the New Testament about Stephen, and he addresses the Sanhedrin and the Jewish council, and then they came against him because he was speaking truth, and so he, he beckoned them, and he began to he give a discourse, and it was the whole chapter of 6 and, and, of Acts, and then in, and in chapter to 7, and, and so some troublemakers started, and anytime you declare the truth or you herald the truth, there's going to be an attack. There's always an counterattack. You need to know that. And so whenever you have like a made-up mind, you know what, I'm going to serve the Lord, and you know what, we're going to get our family on course and correct. Don't be alarmed to think that maybe something happens and the enemy comes into attack, but he is defeated. Can you say amen? So there was troublemakers. And then Acts chapter 6, verse 15, it says they bring them before this council and they look steadfastly at him. And this is what I think is just beautiful. And it says this, Stephen, who's declaring the truth, he says this, his face had been the face of an angel. <laughs> his face shone. And he tells the truth in Acts chapter 7. And he says this, look, I see the heavens open in the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And he's, he's speaking the truth to them and they could not take it. They didn't like it. They were angry because he was telling the truth. And that's just like sin in the world and people that, that, that resist God and, 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 and the, the wooing of the Spirit of God and refuse. They hate the truth because it, why? it exposes their sin. And the Bible says that they cried out with a loud voice. They stopped their ears and they ran at him with one accord. And then they cast him out the city and they begin to stone him. And, and even in the midst of that, he looks up into heaven and he says, Lord, receive my spirit. And then on top of that, he says this, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he died. You know, telling the truth can be costly. And sometimes it can cost our life. It can cost our life. And once again, we're not talking about it in a hateful and angry or a contentious way. So how, do, how can we know the truth? How can we uh, understand and discover the truth, if I could say it that way? Or how can we know right from wrong? Well, out there, I believe there's two models of truth. There's truth that is defined by God. Watch this. Which is for everyone. It is objective. It's not subjective. It's outside of our mind. It, it is an absolute truth. That means that truth that's every person. Every nation, every culture on this planet, all truth is universally true. So you can't go to any part of the world, anywhere, on some island or some remote place, and the truth of God's word is still not true. There's no place where truth is not true. Let me see that. Amen? And then the second part is truth defined by the individual, which is subjective and situational. We'll talk a little about that. So, so how can we know what's wrong? How can we know what's right as we delve into and try to answer questions on some of the whys and, 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 and some of these questions that have been brought up about the Word of God? And I just wrote this down. People today who do not accept that there exists an objective standard of right and wrong believe that claims about moral knowledge are simply a matter of opinion. A matter of opinion. And you know, and I begin to dig into some, uh, t uh, some history here. And I remember about the Nuremberg war crimes trial. It was 76 years ago, 19, 1945. And it's where uh, they brought these Nazi leaders to justice. It was a long, historic uh, trial, 
and they were punishing these monstrous crimes that, 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 that uh, uh, they actually still today in international criminal law, they, they, they use some of the stuff that they, they pulled together from that uh, uh, war crimes trial. There were 24 high-ranking German SS military leaders that were on trial. And here's the thing, I read through a lot of periodicals on this, and it was interesting. None of the Nazi defendants would admit their personal guilt. They brought photos and pictures of burnt bodies and bodies stacked and buried, half buried. I mean, it was the craziest thing, and they would not admit any guilt. Anyone, it says, hardly anyone showed remorse or admitted knowing anything about massacres or extermination camps. And it's, this is what I thought was interesting. It goes to my point is this. Almost all the defendants denied the court's authority. Denied the court's authority, accusing it of being no more than a victor's justice. In other words, you won so well, then you're, you're coming against us. But you know what? Who are you to tell? Russia, United States, Britain, all you people sitting up before us. Who do you tell us what we did was wrong? See, they had to appeal to a higher standard. It's, otherwise, it's just one opinion of a nation against another. And so even parts of the German population, they felt that that whole thing was Unjust. Well, in the end, 12 were hung, 7 were sent to prison, and, and uh, many of them committed suicide. So establishing truth, wrong, right and wrong, moral objectives. I like to simplify things. I don't know about you, but somebody could probably come up here and give you a very complicated, a very deep uh, dissertation uh, about understanding absolute and moral truth. I like to keep it simple, because if it's simple, then I'll remember it. Is anyone here with me? Uh, even though it's, it's, it can be very deep. Well, in Sievers, France, there's the International Bureau of Weights and Measures. And basically, the simplified version is, is they, 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 it's an organization founded. Uh, they bring unification of all measurements and fluids and all of that, the physical constants. So they determine standards. They determine standards. So I have a, a little bit of a Harvest coffee cup here. It's 10-ounce. Um, sometimes we've had 12 ounces, 16 ounces, and then there's 8 ounces. And, and so on this coffee cup, you can see it says actually 10 ounces. Well, you could say, I don't believe that that's 10 ounces. Or I could say, you know what, I really think that's really only 8 ounces because it seems too small. So the question arises, who is right? Well, who's right is you've got to go back to the original standards. So you have to go to the International Bureau of Weights and Measures. And they determine this is 10 ounces. And everybody needs to comply to that. That's just a natural illustration about going back to the original. So you could say, well, I don't believe it. So what they would do is they would just say, well, this cup, they would pour in 10 ounces and say, this cup is 10 ounces. How many see that? Say amen. <laughs> just a very basic, simple, little elementary understanding. Now, here's the thing. When people criticize and say, you know what, I don't like that what you say and that you're saying that that's true, but I don't accept that. That may be, watch this, true for you, but that's not true for me. How many know that that's relativism, right? You know what, let me just give a quick definition. Relativism is the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to the culture, society or historical context and there's no absolutes there's no black and white there's no concrete right or wrong and that's what is blanketed our country right now relativism and so let me just break it down hey it's okay to sleep with your boyfriend or girlfriend it's no big deal you love them 
got awfully quiet in this church. Amen? You know, because, hey, hey, that's good for you. That's okay. You know, you should do that if it makes you feel good or whatever it may be that we justify these things in our mind and uh, we just throw them out. And so relativism is, is, is just, it's, 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 there are no absolutes. But how many know that truth is black and white? It's not abstract. It's not vague. Come on. Truth never caters to the crowd. It's either right or it's either wrong. You know, are you saying, Pastor Mike, there's not gray areas in life? Yeah, there is. There's a lot of things. When I get to heaven, Lord, I don't understand. I didn't understand this on earth. Come on, somebody. But, but I know God's truth is true. Okay, and I'm going to preach that. And so what you run, you run into here, and once again, this is just very simplified, is in order to know truth, you need to appeal to an objective standard. You need to appeal to something that's outside of us, that's something that, that it isn't just your opinion or my opinion or someone else's opinion. Is there something that exists out there that, 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 that there's an, a standard to appeal to? Well, I would say yes. Now you got to bring God on the scene. Because how many know that God is outside of you and I? Come on. He's not, he made us. He's our creator. We're made in his image and likeness. And, and uh, you know, it is not subjective. It is objective. So you got, you got to bring God on the scene. God is outside of us all. He's the creator of us all, the Bible says. It's not some personal subjective opinion. No. The omnipotent, watch this. Almighty God has determined the moral compass for humanity. He says what's right and what's wrong. Can I get an amen? And so, so you can say, well, I don't believe that, and that's not something that I adhere to, and that's not something that, you know, I believe in, and I've been living this way for decades, and it's no big deal. Nothing's happened to me. You know, I've said this before. The wheels of God's justice turn ever so slowly, but they grind ever so finely. Think about that. Amen? So you may think you're going to get away with them. You're not getting away with anything. See, and God wants you to be out from underneath judgment. He wants you to be under grace in his forgiveness. Amen. And he's provided a way. So you got to bring God on the scene. God on the scene. How many remember? Uh, let's see if I can remember. Uh, in the Old Testament, some guy named Moses. And he had these smut tablets. I remember there was like something written on that. Ten Commandments. You know, here's the thing. There's a whole teaching, too, that's out there. They're trying to dismiss the Ten Commandments. That You know what? Those just relegated to old. You know, this old-fashioned. You need to, you know, what is that written on stone? It was written by the finger of God. Pretty serious. <laughs> the finger of God written in stone. Exodus chapter 20. Watch this. The Ten Commandments are considered divine law because God himself revealed them. Because they were spelled out, watch this, specifically. It wasn't 100 commandments. It wasn't 5,000 commandments and rules. It was 10, okay? He, they were spelled out specifically with no room for ambiguity. They are positive law. Hence, they're also known as divine positive law. Now, here's the thing. As, as a believer, I don't view, and I would say as the church, we don't see the Ten Commandments as arbitrary, illogical rules and regulations for the man upstairs. But watch this. The Ten Commandments are commandments for protection. Did you get that? Commandments for protection. Not rules and regulation, but protection. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? Obey them. Eternal happiness is yours. Disobey them and suffer the consequences. Amen? That's black and white preaching. I don't know how it can get any more black and white than that. Amen? God's moral law for mankind. It is not done away with. 
the ceremonial laws are, you know, the ritual laws are, the, 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 you know, the way they observed and uh, uh, certain things. Those, those things are done away with, but God's moral law was even before this. We can see the Ten Commandments before Moses. And you can see it and find it in Genesis because he put that actually eternity in the hearts of all men. Let me just briefly, for the sake of time here, go through the brief version, the short form of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You should not make idols. You should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Breathe through that one. Amen. You should not. Oh, oh, this one. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet. Pastor Mike, I am under the new covenant. I am not under the old covenant. The Bible says that the old is done away and there's new. Well, amen. The new covenant is what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen. And what's the second one? Love your neighbor as yourself. If you do those two, you just fulfill the whole Ten Commandments. Because if you love your neighbor, you won't steal. Can I get an amen? If you don't have any idols, you'll love God. Amen? So it's fulfilled. It's fulfilled in that. So I don't look at it as these rules and regulations we've got to keep. By grace, we can only keep these commandments by grace and God's power in our life. Amen? So, but, so, what is truth? What is truth? And I'll just put this down, this absolute truth. We're going to receive communion here in a moment. What is absolute truth? This is God's truth. Watch this. Truth, that's, which is true for all people, for all times, for all places. Absolute truth is truth that is objective outside of my opinion, your opinion. It is universal. So I've traveled to over 10 nations, preached the gospel in very remote areas, and no matter what, when I break open that Bible and I share the truth of God's word, it's for every people. I've had Russian people filled with God's spirit, born again, saved. I've had Ukrainian people. I've had Sri Lankan people come and receive Jesus. Come on. I've had Japanese people that have given their hearts to the Lord. They recognize their sinner. I've had many different cultures in nations. Why? Because God's truth is true for everybody. Not just in. And it's absolute. <laughs> It's absolute. It is an absolute truth. It is constant. And so, so with this basis, these, this is what we're going to base on as we begin to answer the truth of God's word. We need to understand that it's not man's opinion and, and all of that. Uh, it is outside of us. It is objective. And his laws, the Bible says, are written on our hearts. Stand with me if you would, please. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we're going to receive communion. And so, Archers, you can prepare the communion. And I'll address this, the truth about truth, in a moment once we receive communion. But I'd just like you to bow your heads at this moment. Um, you know, here's the thing about truth. Truth demands our response. You say, well, why is that? Because here's the thing. Truth possesses supernatural power. I want you to think about that. Jesus said... In John 8, 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So truth has supernatural power. If you receive God's truth, if you receive the truth of God's word in your life, and you say, you know what, I'm gonna, I have a make, made up mind, and I'm going to follow the Lord. For me and my house, it's like Joshua. Bad things have happened to me, things I don't understand. 
things I probably won't maybe get an answer when I get to heaven. But you know, I have a made up mind. I'm going to follow the Lord in His truth. Because His truth is absolute. There is supernatural power in believing the right thing. Because He says, if you believe in me, my truth, you will be set free. Wow. That is powerful. Truth. God's truth possesses supernatural power. All truth is absolute because God is absolute truth. Let's pray. You're here this morning and you say, Pastor Mike, I'm falling away. I'm not living for God like I should. Or maybe some things that were spoken on earlier in my message about you have just justified certain things in your life. You have chosen to say, this is no big deal. And the Bible speaks to that, and it's wrong. And you know it, but you're just justified in your mind. You're in disobedience, the Bible says. That may be inflammatory to you, but nonetheless, it's true. The only way we are set free is by obeying the truth. And the only way I really believe that the full plan of God is executed in our life is when we lay these things down knowingly. We repent. We change our mind and we return to the Lord. And we embrace His truth for our life. And we stop those things. You say, I don't know if I can. I just can't seem to stop it. If you know Jesus Christ and you, as the Bible says, you are born again and you're a believer, you have power over sin. I said, you have power over sin. You have power over it. Not in your own strength, but you have power over sin. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done. What he did on the cross. To as many as received them, to them gave he power to become sons, daughters of God. No excuse anymore. There's no excuse. With every head bowed here this morning. I know there's many believers in here and those watching maybe online. But perhaps maybe there's someone here. Something clicked this morning. Something just clicked. He said, you know what? I'm in disobedience. I need to get right with God. And there's something knowing, and you're a believer, we have time during communion that we can make things right. But this specific address right now, this challenge right now is for those of you that you've not surrendered your life to Christ. You don't have the assurance of salvation. You can. How? You receive Christ into your life. You invite Him in. Truth. And that has supernatural power to change your life. You say, Pastor, I want that. I want that. I want to base my life on the truth, the absolute truth of God's Word. I want to invite you to pray with me as we pray corporately. Say this to me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. Fill me with your presence. This day, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, God meant it, and, and we're here to help you on your journey. Uh, if you're a guest and you're outside the community, I want to encourage you to get plugged in. Take those steps. Take those steps. You go back and say, you know what? And if you say, I don't know where there's a church in my community, and I live outside here, hey, email us. We'll help find you a church. We know some good churches in the city and the rural areas. Amen.